Welcome. I'm your host, Alex Avila, founder of College Career and Beyond, also known as CAB, where our listeners go on a journey and hear stories about academic, economic, political, social struggles, and or advancements in today's world. Stay tuned. Plug. CAB. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another College, Career, and Beyond. I'm your host, Alex Avila, and today we have an amazing, special, spectacular guest. His name is Young. Well, his organization is Young Visionaries, but his name is Terrence Stones. And Young and Heart has a has the energy of a thousand people because he's everywhere. And his organization is actually one of the lifelines in San Bernardino that provides hope resources for people to either get back to school, mentorships in the school system. Also, I believe mental health, right? Support, right? Yeah, collaboration. And and he, um, if people don't know, has an incredible story, right? He's, you're talking about adversity. You're talking about someone who's gone through the ringer and is still standing. He is the definition of resilience, right? If you look at the word resilience, his face will pop up, right? Because he defines that. And and I'm glad he's one of us. And I'm glad when I say that he's one of us and he's for us. When I mean that is community, right? A lot of people either grow up in communities and leave and never come back, right? When they're successful. And then some people who stay in the community continue to do the work to support people in the community. So I want to give a special warm welcome to Terrence Stones, CEO of Young Visionaries. And to understand, just to put it in perspective, this man went from gangs to prisons to running a multi-million dollar nonprofit called Young Visionaries. Welcome, Terrence Stones. Hey, how you doing, family? I'm doing great. It's an honor to have you on this podcast. Thank you for being a guest today. It's an honor to be here, man. I appreciate you. I've been waiting for this one right here. I've been waiting on you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's it's COVID-19 era, right? Yeah. We're in the Black Lives Matters uh, era. And you, uniquely, um, you know, you've been dealing with uh, young people who've been dying in the streets, especially young black folks yeah. for years. Actually, yeah. you've been doing that before there was a Black Lives Matter. You know, you, yeah. you know, you came out. Uh, and you, in fact, let's just start this. Where did you grow up at? I actually, I grew up in the um, city of Pomona. It's, we were like, um, right now we're in San Bernardino. So we're like about um, about 30 minutes or so from um, San Bernardino. I mean, Pomona. So I'm like, so I'm actually around 30 minutes from the neighborhood that I grew up in. Okay, and then Pomona's in L.A., right? It's in L.A. County. So, okay. um, and and we're we're in a funny um, um, geographical location because we're we're like um, about thirty minutes or so from San Bernardino and about sixty minutes from like Los Angeles. So, gang wise, when you look at that, like um, you know, we um, we didn't want to be Los Angeles, you know, and identify with L.A., and then we did not want to be like. Inland Empire identified with San Bernardino. So we just had this little, little um, area that we just, you know, that we just occupied basically like in between Los Angeles and San Bernardino. We were like right there, right on the edge of San Bernardino County too. And for those who don't know, uh, listeners out in the East Coast and up North and stuff like that, and the South as well, shout out to y'all. You know, when you look at Pomona, we, you know, this is Southern California, right? And it's the coastal, um, Pacific Ocean, right? Uh, over here, we live in a coastal area. But you know, we when you start talking about Pomona, you're talking about talking about coming inland. Now you now you're coming yeah. towards the desert, yeah. right? Towards the mountains, right? Yeah, and away from the beaches. Yeah, yeah, away from the beaches, the opposite direction. And then we talk about San Bernardino. You're inland. You're in the mountains, and in then in almost in the desert. In the desert. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So then, folks understand that kind of geographic. But you know, he's closer to L.A. Uh, then we would be here in San Bernardino. Yeah, yeah. And so you grew up in a unique situation, right? Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, your um, story is kind of unique. You you grew up in gang culture. Uh, you mind elaborating with that? Yeah, most definitely. I, I grew up, I was um, the second generation gang member. Actually, by marriage, my um, my biological father, he overdosed on heroin when I was two years old. And so my mother... Um, her boyfriend, you know, was um, in which she married and, and he raised me and she had other kids. I have other brothers and sisters um, through him um, was um, was one of the founding members of the neighborhood that I grew up in. 
right? So when you say founded, what you saying founded a gang, right? Yeah, founded member, yeah, of the gang, basically. So so um so I grew up actually just almost inherited a lifestyle, basically, you know, right. myself and all of my younger brothers as well, too. Um, so, yeah, I, I grew up in that. So I've been in and around gang stuff since like the um, since like the mid 70s or so. Wow. You know, wow. As far as back as I as I can remember. Since you was a baby. Yeah, I was a baby. So and and or and as a toddler, though, too, basically, I, I remember um I mean, my mother at one point, she because um, she started working and she couldn't really um, take care of me as far as like like she didn't have no place to put me. I, I didn't have a babysitter, basically. Right. So I remember um, she sent me to my aunts in Compton um, when I was super young. I think just just entering um, probably elementary school. I remember I was I was in elementary school and um and that was like my first encounter, real encounter of like Crips and Bloods, mostly Crips in Compton. Um and it was like right around the corner if you ever listen to old NWA albums and things like that when they talk about the Compton swap meet. This was before the what before the Compton swap meet was there. That building used to be Sears when I was little. Oh wow. And so um and so I used to see like the the Crips like and that was before like they really adopted blue as as their primary color. You so know, you saw it, was it just from Levi's. the beginning, beginning. Yeah, from the beginning, beginning. You know, when oh, guys wow. was just you know they used to wear the Levi's with the big cuffs and and things like that. But it, you know, and just kind of just forming, trying to form the identity of this is what a Crip looks like, and and it, and it evolved o- over the years basically. Um, to just like a identifiable color and uniforms and, and things like that. Not physical uniforms, but just what they wear. Right, right. Basically. The rags yeah. and stuff. Because like. at one point it was leather jackets. You know, wow. you had a leather jacket on, you know, you was part of the crew, basically, mm-hmm. you know. Um, or if you didn't have a leather jacket on and you wasn't part of the crew, they was most definitely coming to get that leather jacket from you. you right. Know? And what he means is that's the, the diplomatic way to say you're going to get jumped. Yeah, you're going to get jumped and <laughs> you're, robbed. You're going to you get know? robbed for your Actually, jacket. Actually, that was, that was the first, um, just some history on that, that the first um um crip murder where crip murdered someone and, and made news was over a leather jacket basically wow yeah. i never wow i didn't know that yeah over a leather jacket that was the first that was the first one right there and that's kind of changed the trajectory of the the crew right or was it, it that it, well it changed the 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 um dangerousness of it basically so now law enforcement wasn't looking at them as like you know little knuckleheads running around you know, um, like these kids actually killed somebody right. you know, under this banner, right. basically. So then it just changed the whole um, um, trajectory of, of just how they looked at it, how law enforcement really dealt with young black youth in mm-hmm. Los Angeles County that that looked like these other kids and, and these leather jackets was identifiable and things like that. So, yeah. And that, you know, um, shout out to... Uh, so the book always running um Luis uh mm-hmm. he talks of some 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 similarities to that yeah. where it starts off as people you know like they're just friends and family oh yeah and then it's like neighborhood people it's like your peers you're just kicking it and then you got leather jackets so it goes to clubs yeah right and then um after the club situation you know the guns come and play then it's a it's it's a different thing yeah yeah most definitely and and actually I, I remember this that whole process that you just described mm-hmm. in, in my life, because you know I actually grew up with the other young people or the, or the kids. We were kids that yeah. that we, and we all ended up in the same gang. You know, I remember us being in elementary school and and um and and just um just you know trying to go to to the store to Seven Eleven just to get some now laters and split that pack of now laters right. and, and things like that to um. To like later on, like you know, one of the kids come back to the neighborhood, like, oh man, them dudes around the corner stole my bike. Be like, what, you know, and go around there. But that's actually was a different neighborhood at the time too. But they were just kids as well too, right. basically. And he was just driving through the neighborhood, being a kid, and they took his bike. So now we have to go over there and go like they did what, and go help him get his bike back. You know what I mean? That's how and it starts, that was right? Game banging in a smaller sense as well that's too. Almost training. It it was yeah it's a training ground and <laughs> it was yeah and and to and it's not the easiest training because you talking about just you and your environment it's it's kids from your point of view and your friends yeah but you probably you know I'm not 
gonna assume for you but you probably witnessed a lot of gang violence i mean as far as murders drugs and oh because you you saw the hair on and then the yeah. crack epidemic hit right? yeah yeah i think i I've probably seen um anything that you are supposed to see or could see in like a gang lifestyle basically okay um whether it be on the streets or in prison um or whatever, you know what I mean? I, I, I've probably seen almost every scenario that you can think of. If you tell me a scenario, uh, I have a, I've probably seen that exact scenario or something almost like it, basically. Right. You know so, you, mean? so you've witnessed uh, years of trauma and, and traumatic yeah. experiences, and that's starting from birth. Um, yeah, well, basically, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, as having a, you know, a father overdose on heroin when you you know, two years old, and you're not really understanding that because you're, two years old basically right you know to um you know to you know just being around you know gangs and then and then also too with that like my mother's husband at the time you know that was founded the neighborhood was a very abusive type of cat too you know mm -hmm. mentally physically emotionally everything so basically. domestic violence was a common domestic thing violence yeah you know so it you know and i was you know just you know i think i experienced a lot of trauma i'm glad you said that word at a young age as well too you know that really like and really probably has not been dealt with you know as i'm a grown man dang near senior citizen right almost, right right you know because because the whole neighborhood is dealing with some type of trauma in 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 that in that fashion but but there's no like counselors that come in there and, and be like well dang all y'all kids y'all seen this guy get shot yeah, that you know, and, and you know, you're there's not, no process. Yeah, it's no processing that. We just processing with themselves. Like, man, that was crazy. Sure was. You know, now, you know, um, now we act react differently. You know, when we see guns, drones, and weapons and things like that, either you'll get paranoid or excited. Basically, right, right. You know? And and that's interesting because the same thing we're talking about is now you are addressing these issues in San Bernardino and actually yeah. providing these resources. Yeah for people who didn't have that when you was growing up. So the irony of that is, you know, you survived it. And I know, and well, I can't say for you, I know growing up in New York City in the Bronx for myself uh, and in the projects at St. Mary's, you know, we I, guys getting raped in the staircase, people getting shot. I seen people get stabbed with the, with the bottle. Like they'll break the bottle and get stabbed like 15 times yeah. and nobody mm -hmm. come to help. It's yeah. just like, you're just watching. It's like, what the hell's going yeah. on? And you know, for for people to be exposed to that, you can go you can go crazy. You can lose your mind, or you can become part of that. But for some reason, you still have a sense of hope. And before we talk about what led you to start this um, amazing uh, organization called Young Visionaries, you went to prison. So you, what? How old were you when you officiated, or when it was official? to say you was a gang member like how does because i know it was a process from oh we're just kicking it with friends and then we start doing these activities and then you say oh well you know what this is my hood this is you yeah. start repping i think with me it was around 13 you was 13 like, like 1983 or so okay um you know but i was always like if the police would pull me over you look you know they'd be like oh he's an associate basically you okay know? so um so I think it wasn't a official, like, okay, like I'm with it, with it, you know what I mean? Right, right. Um, until like I was around 13 years old or so. Um, but I, I was one of those guys, I, I didn't have to get like quoted on. I had to, you know, or, or go put in work to be right. in the neighborhood. Um, because you're just blessed in basically because of my family. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so everyone else looked at me as a gang member, but me you know right, up to right. like 13 years old wow. and i just had to come into the realization like i'm from the hood you know so um you know so and, so and even just going to school or whatever and know? i thought also and i, I apologize for cutting you off because no some of the listeners listeners may not understand to join a gang there's a couple of ways to do this um yes. and the process is brutal you know because yeah, yeah. the options are really extreme and that's how you express loyalty. Right. And then you are born into it depending on the status of the person in your family right. or the or the associate you're with. Yeah. And so at, at least he's saying those are the two ways. Um so people are saying, Well, how do you get into a gang? Well, there's there's a couple ways and um yeah. it's a few ways, but you know, you like you were saying you were blessed because your basically yeah. your dad, um, your second dad was 
the guy who created yeah. the set. Yeah, and also I had, had a lot of uncles and, mm-hmm. and things like that. I had a lot of family from the neighborhood, basically. That were part of that lifestyle since yeah. birth. And so you got into it heavy or started becoming more active when you were 13. Yeah, when I was 13. I think I just came into the realization that, you know, I am, you know, I'm from the hood, basically. This you know is, what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, and I just embraced it and just, um, and and just took it on like full force, basically. You know what I mean? Because um, really everyone that I was around all the time was really um, gang affiliated in one way or another, whether they were just straight gang bangers or, you know, or hustlers, you know. Um, so, yeah, around 13 years old. And, and I'm only asking this because, again, when we go back, when we come back to the question of young visionaries and why, yeah. you will have, you know the answer to that. You know what, because you lived it, right? Yeah. And so you're the most credible person to understand how to deal with young people who struggle with these issues, right? Um, and join these entities and don't have any kind of um, outlets, right? Or resources to help them. So I'm only asking uh, Terrence these questions because when I ask the following questions in, in the later part of this podcast, you understand what how it all connects and why it makes sense to support a young visionary and, and to have more programs like this because, you know, um, he came from the trenches, you know, and yeah. you, a lot of times you see other people from outside the community trying to help, but you don't mm-hmm. see a lot of us from our own community trying to give back. Yeah. And, um, and I want to, you know, talk about that because also the death of Nipsey Hussle Mm-hmm. This idea, well, you know what, you don't, you shouldn't be in the neighborhood because you're gonna get killed, and yeah. you know, we're gonna address all these questions because yeah. you are in the neighborhood and you have, you know, what I'm saying you have a lot of respect and rapport. Yeah, and Nipsey did too, um, and, and so we'll talk about that. I'm, I'm yeah, actually we have to come back. Yeah, to we gotta that. come yeah, back to yeah, that. So yeah. that's out there just to folks know. Um, so you 13, you you you're involved. When he says this, this means my guess is drugs. Guns. Yeah, and, drugs, guns, what you know, okay. everything that, that comes with it, you know, getting in cars with the How were you, you when know. you shot your first gun? Oh, actually I was in elementary school when, when I, I shot my first gun. Um and um and it, I wasn't shooting at a person basically. Yeah, you yeah. know we're not here to incriminate <laughs> yeah. you, brother. No, no, um, no. Well if it, they didn't die, it don't count. Yeah. Um <laughs> Um so um so, but I, I remember, um, like my, I remember when my, I told you earlier, my mother, when she couldn't take care of me because of, um, she had to work, she didn't have right. a babysitter. So she sent me with my aunt in Compton. Right. Right. Now my aunt just looking back, um, like, you know, even at her house basically. So she stayed in the, you know, in an up and coming gang neighborhood. Um, and then also, her house was the drug house. Mm. So and and so I'm thinking like, oh, you know, mine is rich. They got cars. And back then, you know, it was the real, the real. <laughs> that was before the the you know, that was before the cassette tape came out, the right. A track, you know, mm-hmm. you had they had that big old fish tanks and mm-hmm. and things like that. And, you know, people always come, you know, she's they sold weed, you okay. know, in Compton in the seventies, basically. Mm. And so, um, and so with that, too, it was a lot of guns just laying around the house all the time. So I didn't touch them. I knew not to. Instructed not to. Right. Um, he was curious, though. I bet you I that. was curious. Yeah, yeah. And they was heavy, too. It wasn't like no little bitty 22s. She had big guns, you know, you know, big revolvers and, and things like that. And I remember. On the table. It was on the table, under the, under the couch, mm-hmm. you know, on top of the refrigerator. Wow. There was any place where if somebody come in there, they would have access, you know, and was ready for a shootout, basically. And this wow. is, you know, and two, as an elementary school kid, I'm, you know, this is normal, basically, to me. You know you what I mean? Grew, just growing up in it. Guns all around the house, yeah. you know. And so I remember New Year's, you know, and um, and we was out there and they shooting in the air for New Year's and and then so she she was like here come shoot the gun and and I remember like the gun was heavy and I couldn't pull the trigger because the gun was so heavy and 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 it wasn't like a you know like a loose trigger or nothing like yeah. that and she was and she was clowning me basically because I wasn't strong enough right. as, as an elementary school kid to pull the trigger wow. so she was like oh you little wow. punk you can't even pull the trigger you wow. know and wow. then so she, you know, put her finger in there with my finger and pointed the gun up and and boom. And you, you felt know. that power, didn't you? Oh yeah, it's that crazy. Shook my whole body. You know, I, you know, I twitched, closed my eyes, and and everything. You know, but um, as an elementary school kid, you know, that was like out of my system, basically, or in my system, so right. to speak. That right. you know, that you know, that it's easy, you know, to, to do this, trigger. basically. Yeah. 
So yeah, yeah no, I mean that, that just just listening to that is just like giving me chills. I shot my first gun when I was eleven. Yeah, and it wasn't a heavy gun. I, it might have been a twenty-two or a little bit bigger. Yeah. And I wasn't shooting at nobody. Yeah. It was just one of those, here, shoot this gun. And you're like, all right, cool. Because when you're in the neighborhood, that's what you do. You're just yeah. like, you know, I remember seeing my first package of crack in elementary because the kids were bringing them in the pack backpacks. Yeah. And then when I went to, to um, middle school, I remember being in seventh grade, my, my boy Papote, He'd be like, yeah, man, my uncle, man, he got me um, taking these bags. I was like, bags? And he'll yeah. open it up in the in the locker room. Yeah. First time I ever saw crack cocaine, like literally in packages. And I was like, what is that? He's like, yeah, man, I just got to take it to this old guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he said, y'all want to come through? Just come, man. You know, it's me. He gives me $100, you know? I'm like, $100. And so, but anyway, that's how you train. Yeah. And that's what you're talking about. That's how you... It, you kind of start to become numb to those entities, right? Oh yeah, it, it was it was the norm in in the environments that I grew up in, basically. And you did so, man. And so that means you probably ran a crew, right? Yeah. Well, about the time I was um, about fifteen or so, um, I, I wouldn't say I ran the crew, but, but I, I assembled them basically. Yeah, 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 you yeah, know, yeah. You put them together. I put them together, but then, um, but. Um, after that, because I, I think I always had those leadership type of skills and mm -hmm. things like that. Mm -hmm. Even with like when I was younger, the little guys, I was always figured out a way to have them go left instead of right. Like, y'all right. come with me, right. you know. And then um, and so not knowing those is like that was charisma and leadership skills right. and things like that. You was diplomatic um, back then, even yeah. with the circumstance. Yeah, but in the wrong direction. Oh, right? I, I was leading everyone in the wrong direction. Yeah. So um, or what, what I thought was right at that time basically right, right. so um so even with that when i when i look because I, I went to um california youth authority at um about 15 years old i think 15 or 16 that's a that's a, a prison for young folks yes that, that yes. was gladiator school that was probably the worst place if you was a juvenile or dang near an adult that probably was the worst place that you mm. want to be in the state of california's california youth authority they just recently within a few years ago just um shut the whole thing down yeah which they needed to because right. um they had like a over probably close to 80 percent recidivism rate right so almost everybody that went there was guaranteed uh, was to come back yeah it's coming back and that's cya for that's aka cya cya yeah, yeah yeah so in there um like I, I ended up um you know just um calling shots for the crip car um which was more just leadership skills and, and right. things like that, mm -hmm. you know, and not knowing that I just seen stuff needed to be done and just start doing it. You, you know, took initiative. Just, yeah. Just start telling her like, well, you should do this. You come over here. Y'all, you know, let's sit over here instead of over there, mm -hmm. you know, and then um, the next, you know, because they don't vote on it. You just end up in that leadership role right. you know, based on your decision making skills and sometimes just the violence that you would do in there. And at that point in my life, I was, you know, not, you know, I didn't run from violence. I wasn't right. scared of violence. You know, I would initiate it, basically. And folks so. who can't see Terrence, he's stock. Like, he looked like he used to lift 300 pounds easy, uh -huh. maybe 500. But I'm a little dude. I'm only 5'6". Man, uh -huh. look like he packed a punch Mike Tyson style. So, yeah. <laughs> ain't no lightweight. So, yeah. if you can't see him physically, just so just yeah. know that T. Stone yeah. here is definitely a solid dude. And that's where you and I, a lot of departures and difference come in because I didn't I was blessed not to go to jail not to go to prison I'm glad and um you know uh I had you know PK and David Kalki and some other mm -hmm. folks who pulled me in my cousin and just like yo do some community work you got a lot of energy because that's yeah. really what it is yeah, yeah. You got so much energy and um so they start pulling me early um and you know I dibble dabble, but I started putting more energy into trying to venture off. And, and what the what else is there outside yeah. of drugs and violence? But you were in the prison system. And yeah, yeah. Man, we, I mean, can you discuss what happened, or or, um, or just briefly just give us the reason why you were well, prison or California Youth Authority? Well, Those you know two what? Things. Let's just talk about CYA. What led you to CYA, and then how yeah. you went to prison? Well, um, California Youth Authority. I was around 15, 16 years old. Um, as we already, I had my little crew, you know, we was assembled and, you know, and, and, and selling drugs and, and things like that, doing everything we're not supposed to do, basically, you know, by this time, I, um, you know, we doing good. I, I drove a Porsche at that age. How old were you when you drove your first Porsche? Like about 15, about 15. I had a 944, burnt orange. 
Porsche. Wow. Yeah, you know, we used to drive out to Los Angeles and, you know, I didn't have a driver's license. I didn't know how to oil change, nothing. I just knew, you know, I'm driving off and this is mine. Um, and so... Um, so you, at 15, were driving a Porsche, no license. No license, and, no nothing. Oh, okay. Yeah, I bought it from some, some from somebody yeah, else. Yeah, I know. That actually, lifestyle, it was yeah. a, actually a drug deal, basically. You know, I was like, you know, give me this much and that car. You know, we good. You know, and um, and that he gave me the keys and I was out of there. And so, um, and so we said, you know, I'm driving. I, and it was a stick, too. I had to learn how to drive a stick and driving that car, basically. And so... um. And so at that at that point, I, I remember we we um, was in a whole another city closer to Los Angeles, and um, and we had these apartment buildings. You know, we we um, selling drugs out of, and and so um, and so from being there every day, like you know, you know which police and things like that, because they coming through, they watching us, we watching them, and so we were in the apartment buildings, and, and the police officer, we seen him, he was on foot walking. And um and we seen him, we was like, Oh man, they go deputy such and such. But it was, you know, it was a gate behind us, so it was too you know, too um it was too late to run. Right. So it, so we couldn't do nothing. So he was just like right stay right there, you know. So we um stood there. And then and also too, just from my upbringing with my uncles and gang involved, they used to give me the most horrible advice you know what i mean like no really life skills and things like that like dumb stuff like all the time i 15 I, think about it 15 you're gonna get bad advice from another 15 year old but these <laughs> is older dudes oh, my the uncles older. Okay, my uncles okay, okay. that that you know that were much older than me that's like to be, 10 15 years older than right. me that's supposed to tell you terrence stay in school you know um okay. do this you know um you should go to college right. this is a great trade to be in right we didn't get that type of advice because these were drug dealers, drug users, gang bangers. So they gave us advice that would probably help their lifestyle out. Right, you know what I mean? Like, right. like go break in the house and you can take the snacks, but bring me the jury. Stupid right. stuff, you know. Yeah. And we little because at this time we I'm talking about like nine, ten years old. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so we'd rather have the snacks than the jury. <laughs> Right. You know, just stuff like that. But the hor one of the horrible advice, I remember my uncle, he told me, he said, you're a juvenile. The police cannot touch you. They do not have a right to put their hands on you and do whatever you want to them. So I'm thinking this in my mind when the police is approaching me still. I'm thinking I'm like 15 years old or so. And so um, so the police got us hemmed up. And at this time, too, I, I remember I had probably um Probably about five to six thousand dollars in my pocket. Wow. Um cash. Cash. Like, and, just and cash. hundreds. In hundreds and twenties. Wow. You know? So um and so and so I remember him Tim, put your hands on the back of your head and he searched me last. I don't know why he searched me last. So mm. we, it was like three of us. He right. searched one guy, you know, then he searched the other guys. Now my hands are still on my head, but I'm thinking like, you don't got the right to touch me. <laughs> <laughs> so so as soon as I had my hands on my head, so as soon as he and he went right from my pocket where my money is, and I slapped his hand. And this no, is but he you slapped his hand, slapped his hand away, like you know, like you know, looking at him like you ain't got the right to touch me. At that moment, he persists to beat <laughs> my tail. Like I'm telling you, I'm with the stick out. Boom, boom. Oh man, like, you know I couldn't. I'm looking at the homies like help. He beat me up with the stick. You know they still stand there with their hands oh, on his head nobody, looking. Wow. You know and um. And so, um, and, and that's your, and you was thinking about your uncle giving you, he was like, what the hell is that? Yeah. Like, like, you know, I'm thinking like, oh, I'm going to beat this in court. Cause you weren't supposed to touch me <laughs> or whatever. You know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking like, you know, oh, like, like you totally in the wrong right now. Cause you started this. He stomped you out and he told me up. And then, and then at the end, he just like, you know, um, you know, he put his I, gun out, he put his gun out, patted to my face. Like, oh my if you gosh. move, I'm gonna kill you. And so I didn't move, but I still, still thought like this dude about to blow my brains out. And so, um, so we didn't, but when I went to court, they said, okay, your charge is attempted murder on a police, on a police Wait, officer. Wait, hold on. Time out, time out, time out. Your charges was attempted murder and you- but, Attempted murder on a police department. But you had, you didn't have a gun on you. Physically. I didn't have a gun on me. I, I didn't have any, I didn't have any weapons. I just had my money, you know, because I, I wasn't even, I, 
you know, I was just thinking I'm just going to be a chill day. You know, oh I got the God. Porsche. I got the, you know, I got like about five So you weren't even doing anything of violence. You just kind of just hang out and have fun. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. you know, just trying to kick it. Yeah. Just just trying, I was trying break. to floss. You yeah. know, I had on my good my corduroys. It was corduroys back then in the 80s. And the afro? And, no, we didn't have the afros. It was like a little shortcut, you okay, know, little okay. waves or something. All right. And, um... And so he said the Afro. That's yeah, the seventies. All right. So we had <laughs> yeah. Michael Jackson, the Jerry curls. No, yeah, but I didn't had a Jerry curl. Yeah, okay. I just had. I was one with the waves. Okay, at, okay. At that time, and so, um, so yeah, so but that sent me to California Youth Authority because I even though you um, couldn't fight that neither, huh? I tried to. I tried to. I didn't have, and that's another thing too. Like you know, at that age, even the, the amount of money that we were making, you don't even think about like maybe I might have, um you know, um, some type of court case, I should put some money down on a lawyer. Yeah, you know retainer I mean? fees, yeah. We wasn't thinking that. Right. You know, we were just thinking like, you know, I'm going to get this money because the money was coming in daily. You right. Know I mean? So we just buying cars and, and jewelry and, and clothes and, and, clothes and, 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 that. and that's it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, um, so, um, so bam, 14 years, at 15 years old, 14 years, California Authority. They gave you 14 years? 14 years. You Wait, know. you were 15 and gave you 14 years? For attempted murder, so-called attempted murder on a um, police officer. Police officer. It's 664-187. You know, I still remember the code because, so that's attempted murder. And when you heard that, I know your stomach, you just yeah. dropped like, I mean. Well, the the worst thing, right, because I, you know, because I was going back and forth to court from juvenile hall. But the worst thing is that because my mother was coming to court, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, so she was every court date. So just looking at her face, you know what I mean? And trying to, you know, I'm trying to stay upbeat in spirits and things yeah. like that when I see her. Yeah. So she won't be like, oh, he in there, you know, um, like, no, nah, I'm cool, you know. But um, but then like when it was like 14 years, you know, just like the, you know, through the whole ordeal, like just watching her face was the thing that hurt the most, basically, because right. I was already in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was, you know, going to face my fate or whatever was going to happen. I didn't right. know, you know, but but um, but you're already in it. You know what I mean? Right. But right. it's the people that's outside of the situation that probably hurt the most because they watch you going through it. Right. But they don't really understand what's happening. Right. You know what I'm saying? Internally yeah. and things like that. Especially if it's like your 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 first, son or your yeah. daughter or, mm-hmm. or whoever, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So um so that's what hurt me is just watching a hurt on her face when right. the judge is like, bam, fourteen years, you know. And that you can't erase those images. Oh no, no, never, never, you know. So um yeah, so so I went to California Youth Authority and, and um and at that time too, like I remember going to they used to call it they closed it down the southern reception center so if you get arrested in southern california as a juvenile mm-hmm. and get sentenced to california youth authority you go to the southern reception center okay if you get arrested in northern california going to california youth authority you go to the northern reception center basically mm-hmm. so um southern reception center and that's still right there that's just kind of training grounds because we all knew most of us probably probably over 75% of us, you know, brand new, just getting the California Youth Authority. So we still trying to figure it out. Like, what's happening? How do you act up in here? You right. know, how tough do you have to be to survive and all these other things? And um, and so just being in there, and I, and I remember, um, and, and then from there, they send you to whatever institution you're going to go to. Well, but, hey, can, I, can I ask you a question? Because, yeah. so you're 15, you're still figuring out the world. Yeah. And then you go into this place, CYA. Oh, before CYA, you were like in, a, in like a pre to CYA, right? Yeah. The sovereign uh, facility, right? The yeah. question is, is that where you start to learn to become worse? Yeah, yeah. That's where the training ground. That's where the training ground starts right there, right? So that's where you, yeah. Well, that's where you learn to adapt, basically. You know what I mean? So that's where you have to see really. How tough do I have to be, or or am I gonna act super tough? You know, you see, that's where you really learn because you're learning off everybody else now, basically. And you know. for people listening, because you, you know, a lot of times you just put the prison, just send them away to jail. But what you're doing is creating more of a, you know, a professional criminal. Yeah, well, that's why California Youth Authority the recidivism rate was so high. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's, it's supposed to be a. Um, training facility because even when you go there when they had it open you still was not a because it was guys in there for murder murder you right, know um, right. but that still was not a a 
conviction. They they sentence you as like a ward of the court, basically. Yeah, yeah. So you're not a convict. Right. Like you're considered going to like a ward is usually like a hospital or something like yeah, that. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. like, you okay, we're going to send you here to fix you. But it's when supposed you get to be there, counseling and all this, but it's not to that. Be, no, it's, it's gladiator school right. when you go there. Wow. And so that's where the gladiator school stuff start because everyone's trying to really just trying to get into position right. basically right there. And so, um, and, and I remember um, being in there, they was like, okay, well, wherever you go, um, tell them you don't want to go to Nellis, you know, Fred C. Nellis, that was in Whittier. And so, um, and so you go to this little board of people and then, you know, and they ask you about what happened. Do you feel remorse and all this other stuff? And they, and they right now, they're kind of um, evaluating you to see like, okay, where are we going to send you? Placement. Yeah. Placement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they say, well, where um, where do you want to go? So I'm thinking like I'm because because you know most of the people that's in there that's telling you this advice haven't been there either, right? right? They just listen to what somebody else says. So they mm-hmm. like so all I'm thinking is like they told me don't go to Nellis. They said where do you want to go? I said sir, you can send me anywhere except for Nellis. <laughs> oh my god! And they sent me to Nellis. It was like the worst oh, one. And then man. and then just when I got the paper, I was like oh. Man, they sending me to Nellis. They were like, you going to Nellis? I was like, man, I'm sending me to Nellis. <laughs> More bad advice. Yeah. Jesus. And so, um, and so that was my, you know, first, you know, um thing at doing time, you know, yeah. that Fred C. Nellis. Right now I'm pulling out some pictures. You got some so pictures. You can see wow. From oh me my in, goodness. And Nellis. So so um And then that's when you started working out? Yeah, that's when I really started working out. Um, when I got to um, Fred C. Nellis, look at this. At that wow. at that point, so these are I pictures wish of I me. I can show y'all. This and, is all Nellis. Yeah, these are Nellis because back then they had um. If you remember the um oh, Polaroid cameras, yeah, back in the I, day. And for those who don't know what a Polaroid camera, you took a picture and then like this. Uh, I guess this parcel comes out the picture like this uh, piece of paper prints out you know it prints inside the camera and then it rolls out like yeah right <laughs> yeah. i remember that sound and then you kind of like uh waved it in the air yeah. you had to shake it so then the image can actually um kind of manifest so i'm holding actual polaroid pictures right now of you wearing uh blue jeans and some uh, uh chucks uh black chucks and like a yeah wow wow yeah, look at are, this that was the the uniforms wow. that you had to wear when you were in there that's not Nellis. um you know this is insane yeah and you were just a basically a teenager you were just yeah yeah if you look at those pictures right yeah. there you know um yeah that was me i was a kid oh, you know man. but i had to learn in there to learn how to how to you survive know, survive and navigate you know just in a system you know and then when you when you look at that too because usually at that age kids are still in high school oh and and trying to get to prom and graduate and get to college like those realities um so you didn't that have kids that have or just you know that wasn't even a dream you know um of mine at that age at 16 years old to do those things because i was inside of California Youth Authority right. with 14 years, basically. So wow. like, they can let me out anytime, you know, before I'm 25 years old. 25 and, years old or and, keep me till I'm 25. And for folks who don't know, when he talks about CYA, um, just a little quick, you're in there with 21-year-olds. Like, you're in there with older guys. So if you're 15 yeah. or 14, you know, it's different being in there with 14, 18-year-olds. But when you got a 21-year-old in there. Yeah, well, up to 25. 25, that's right. They yeah. were 25, that's right. Up to 25, Up to 25, yeah. so you were there with grown men. Yeah, yeah, at 25, they, they couldn't keep you past 25 years old. Wow. Whether you were in there for murder or whatever. Right. You know, that was the longest they can keep you with as, as, as 25. And some people, it was their choice to just max out. They're like, well, I'm going to just stay in there until I'm 25. You know, and, and then uh, they transferred to the um, big boy prison, right? That's what they call well, it. No, well, they would. Um, well, no, because they they knew like, okay, if I stay in here till I'm 25, then I get out, no parole, no nothing. They oh, can't do anything to okay. me. So they'll just stay in there, max out, and just leave the system. Like and that. there's a state of war, so you don't have like a real record. Yeah, yeah. So they they would do that. But to these same guys, it wasn't like like it wasn't really strategic in in future goals or anything like that. It was strategic in like they just gonna stay in here, tear this place up. Yeah. You know, I'm not following no rules. I ain't doing what y'all say. The only thing y'all can do is just keep me here until I'm 25. Wow. You and know? all that anger pinned up and all that frustration and then just tearing up just everything. Yeah. You know, and yeah. 
And so, they just walk in the, and they walk in the yard with you. <laughs> you know what I mean? So then, you know, so so if you're trying to go home, really, but you, you know, but you have all these other guys that are wa- walking the same yard, doing the same thing as you, but they have no desire to go home yeah. at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, it just puts you in a bad situation, too, because, you know, they still like if they still look at you wrong or say something wrong, you still have to react on their level. And and this part what people may not understand is you're talking about people with mental illness. So yeah. and psycho- trauma and trauma. Yeah. So when we talk about, you know, growing up around psychopaths, they become psychopaths. Right. Um, and they start to lose a sense of reality. And so the yeah. art of just being civil starts to kind of like kind of disappear. Because right. I remember, you know, growing up in the Bronx and the projects and living in the building where people would chop up their own mothers. Right. Mm, people yeah. would jump off the roof. Right? I lived in my building was 21 stories. Right. Um, people were just. You know, the being in close proximity with someone who doesn't have a care for their life, yeah. you know your survival instance has to just be at a thousand percent in order to just even make it. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, like just being in there with a killer um, or being in there with uh, someone who just doesn't have a care in the world. And again, that happens because of the community and the lack of resources. Um, and so now you go from CYA to prison. Right. And it's just a, a transfer. Did you get out of CYA? No, I got, I got out. I actually, I went back and forth. I think I had California Youth Authority like three times. Oh, so you went back a few times. Yeah. So then you start the the second time. You understood the process by the second. Oh time. yeah, I understood the process. You know what to do. Who you know how to navigate um, and things like that. I was almost a professional <laughs> wow. by the time the second and third time that that I went there, and it was easier because now when I when I go back. I knew everybody, you know, and everybody knew me. So when I, so as soon as I, you know, they let me in or whatever, like, oh, oh, what's up? Are you back, Dad? What's up? How you doing? You know, so you know. So you didn't do the fourteen years the first. Oh no, no, no. You, um, I, I think I did the first time. I did like three and a half. Okay. Yeah. Then I think I stayed out around four months, three to four months, and then and then went back, did another year and a half, and then um. And then went back, and I think I did another year, like year and a half. So it was a cycle like almost. Too. Yeah, yeah, just going back and forth. But that was that recidivism rate right, that, that right. we discussed earlier. You know, it was just easy just to go back. And then after you, you know, and it's not intimidating anymore. It's not, you know, you just right. have to get tired of it, basically. Mm. So um, so that's, I think, what eventually happened. I just got tired of it, basically. So, um, so yeah, I think I went back like three times. Okay. You know, so, um, so I think I was... Like in my adult years or so, when I, you know, about time I, I went to prison after that. So I think I was twenty two or twenty three. I was in prison. Okay, and yeah. that's something. So we're talking about look, your 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 dad dying from heroin, and then you growing up in this gang uh, community around gang. I mean, yeah. guns and drugs, and then you get your first taste of shooting your gun, and then you go into this. Hey, let's set up this crew. And then from setting up your crew, you know, you rolling around, you got money coming in, you riding a car, and then you get your first charge that really wasn't even your fault. Yeah. Um, and uh, you actually did not commit a crime other than driving without a license. Uh, I mean, technically, mm-hmm. if you look yeah. at the circumstances. Well, probably could have at least said, like, assault because I hit his hand. You smacked you know, his hand off I of smacked you. his hand, yeah. Come on, so, that's a, but, but that's a stretch, though. You know what I mean? So I'm like, you know, so that's what I'm thinking that what's going to happen. Like, I hit this dude's hand. They said you tried so to they, murder a cop. I mean, yeah, they and said that, I tried to murder. And he had the gun, not you. Yeah. Oh, he had two guns. Oh, my he, God, Jesus. Because the one he put to my head, he took that out of his sock. He oh, didn't wow. even take it out of his holster, basically. Oh, so that, uh, for those who don't know, back then, if a, guy, if a cop took out a gun from his sock, allegedly, it was a gun he can shoot and not report. Um, so, yeah, but it was broad daylight. So, he, okay, was, okay, so okay. hopefully, yeah. Because, you know, you had those kind of, you know, yeah, they officers. have those throwaways yeah, too. Throwaways. Yeah, throwaways, and people may not. Now that we have Black Lives Matter, yeah. we can talk about it. Yeah. But, you know, they were, were considered throwaway where you shoot and you didn't have to report. Um, and a lot of times those guns come from ballistics. They go missing when they go into this. Uh, but anyway, I don't want to get yeah. into the technical yeah. aspects of that. Um, and don't ask me how I know these things. So, look. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, let's. So so you go to prison. So, like, I'm trying to figure this out. So, wow, you. you so you survived gladiator school, and yeah. then you go to prison. Yeah. yeah. Why did you go to prison? For um, selling drugs at a, a drug case that sent me to um, to prison, basically. Which so, which prison was this one? I was in um, Tehachapi 
Tashby's in, well, in Tashby, California. I think it's close to Bakersfield or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, so selling drugs, I just took a deal for four years, um, which at the time for me, I was like, oh, that's a sweet deal. You know, right, because you years. already been back and forth. Yeah, there. and I was like, I do, I take a deal for four, I'm going to do two, I'm out of here. So, um, so yeah, but you know, to Hatchby, people like, well, what's that? Because it doesn't. Because you you hear like San Quentin and Sing and Folsom and mm-hmm. just Sing Sing, and but that's where San to Hatchby, that's where they kept um, Charles Manson. Oh basically, wow! Um, on the level four yard on, uh, over at Hatchby, and there was a lot of other um, killers there and, and things like that. But that's where Charles Manson was 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 housed <laughs> at, at Hatchby. People just don't hear about it as much as these other prisons, but also within itself was um, pretty. Um, dangerous um prison as well basically how is it that you did you have a dream when did your visionary start like before i know it starts like in a dream or something did it start in prison in the county jail um so after prison (laughs) oh my gosh so you did cy well you did pre-cy and then cy then prison then county jail yeah, well, county. Well, every time you get arrested, you'll go to county okay, jail right. before they send you. So, so you understand at the this time, let me see. Um, this was in like, um, um, nineteen ninety-eight, basically. So oh, now, wow. fast forward a little bit. I've been out for a little while. We're going back and forth, and then um, so and then also at all this time too. Keep in mind, I'm still gang affiliated or gang associated. Right. You know, too. So um. So I'm going back and forth, and 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 I and 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 a guy that you probably know, a guy named um, Sugar Free, is a rapper. Yeah, it's a famous yeah. rapper out here yeah. in the West Coast. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're from the same neighborhood. So Sugar Free grew up in the same gang that that I grew up in. My mother know his mother. I know his mother, his family, his sisters. You know everything. And so, um, so I remember that day distinctly because um, I'm with my boy um, Sugar Free. His name is Dewan. His real name. Um, so we we hanging out in front of his mother's house. We having drinks, and um and at that time, you know, because everybody used to interrap. So I was rapping and gangster rapping and okay. things like that. I didn't know then. that. Yeah. So I, I had lyrics. I can't remember okay, them now. I'm getting bars. old. Bars. But um bars. bars. Yeah, I had bars. <laughs> <laughs> so um so we were you know we were having drinks and he was he was telling he was like man you next don't worry about nothing you next you know so um so I'm like man he's so he like I'm gonna call you tomorrow we gonna hit the studio. Okay. So it was me. My little brother, um, one of my little brothers, he was that was also gang affiliated, but he was from a different neighborhood. Okay, um, that my uncles helped to found that neighborhood as well too. Wow. Um, so um, there was always leadership around, but just not the right leadership. Yeah, well, yeah. I don't, know, I don't mean to cut you off, that. But that's a good point, though. That's a good point that I didn't even realize that. Mm-hmm. So um, and so we um, so so I'm I'm stoked and I'm I'm like oh you know I'm with you know I'm driving off with my little brother I'm like oh you know I'm about to go in the studio and kill it tomorrow you know with the homie and so um and so in doing that driving off I see one of my other homeboys in the middle of the street arguing with his girlfriend right so I was like oh I was gonna pass him up you know because um I got something to do tomorrow but I, I felt like I couldn't leave him because I was like I know he gonna hit her and get arrested mm. so I like let me put him in the car so I put him in the car then we drove off I tried to drop him off at home he was like I don't want to go home I'm gonna go over your house so then um so then I took him over my house and so um and so during the course of that day we over my house we hanging out because um, I had literally moved like outside of Pomona to another little little community which is much safer. Right. Um, and nobody like knew me and things like that. It was a whole nother city. Um, so we were chilling at my house and then another one of my homies called and, and, um, and he say, you know, come over. So I'm like, all right. So when I go over there, are, like you, I, are you working a legit job or are you still in the street? At this time, I have a legit job. Actually, ironically, I had a, I had a bus driving job. Oh, you was right? a bus driver? I drove okay. buses, right? Okay, I never so, knew that. So look, I drove, but and then and this is the blessing when I got when I got out of prison, my mother was a head supervisor for a bus company. Look at that. So she got me in. So, I so drove, she got her act together. Oh yeah, no, my mother, my mother is doing well. My mother has actually she's always had her act together. She's, you know, my mother was a type that always had a job, always, you know, you know, paid her bills on time, always had a car. Her her thing was that she was attracted to the wrong type of dudes. Okay. You know what I mean? Okay. So she liked hoodlums and drug right. dealers and, okay. and things like that. But her 
you know, she ain't gonna get in trouble. My mother don't smoke cigarettes, she don't drink, wow, nothing. Wow. But just her 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 attraction to the wrong dudes was just rubbed off on the kids, basically. Okay. You the know, father because, figure had a big yeah. impact. Okay. So um sorry for interrupting. No, it's all right. So we um so we go over there and, and we hanging out and and, and and they get into an argument. Um and so when they get into an argument one of them pull out the gun and shoot the other one. Now oh, we all from the same neighborhood, except for my man. little brother that's with me, and paralyze the guy. So he's shooting, bam, paralyzing. Police come, we all get arrested for that one shooting. So um so in that ordeal, this is nineteen ninety eight, right? I'm twenty eight at this time too. Almost thirty. And so from there that at that instance, you know, that was like what they call like the straw that broke the camel back with me, basically. Mm. So I was like, I quit. You know, I'm almost 30. He was exhausted by that point. Yeah. And I was facing for that incident, two life sentences plus 25 years of life. Right. So in 1998, I'm facing two life sentences plus 25 years of life for a shooting that I didn't do. And I'm thinking like all the stuff I didn't did. Right. And I'm about to get life <laughs> for some that I didn't do. Right. I was like, I quit. You know, and so um, and so through that, you know, um, and at that time, that's when I really, you know, that's I, I started talking to God. Then like, look, God, you know, I don't know if you know me. You know, my name is Terrence. Let me introduce myself to right, you, right. you know, because at this point, you're the only person that can really help me out. And so um, and so um, so that's what I did. I prayed and I was telling him, I was like, look, you get me out of this, man, I'm, I'll quit. You know, I'm going to do what I can to make you look good through me basically. And so, um, and so That's in doing that, I developed a concept of young visionaries when I was, um, in there. So I was like, when I get out, I'm going to help kids stay out of gangs, basically. And so, and so that's what I've been doing. So I've been like 20 years now, almost. Wow. I've been, I've been working with kids. We work with over, well over 55,000 young people, um, you know, um, throughout the United States, mostly in San Bernardino County. Um, so I've been doing this like for, well, I've been, now I've been doing this almost as well, longer than I've been in gangs. I've been doing young visionaries basically. And we know what we're about to do a part two actually today right now. Um, <laughs> we're going to go to commercial break. This is Terrence stones from gangs to prisons to multi-million dollar nonprofit called young visionaries. This is College Career and Beyond. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to CAB, College Career and Beyond. We hope you enjoyed this episode. You can find us on whatever provider podcast you listen to, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, and more. Continue listening to CAB, College Career and Beyond, where we keep you ahead of the game and not behind the game.